Atheist Nomads, episode 67, The Happy Heathen with Jen Chadbourne. Atheist Nomads is proudly brought to you by Archway Hosting. Check out their low-price, full-featured hosting solutions at archwayhosting.com. That's A-R-C-H-W-A-Y hosting.com. We are the Atheist Nomads, bringing you history, science, politics, religion, and interviews with leaders in the atheist community. Not all those who wander are lost. Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. This is episode number 67. I am Dustin. Joining me as always is Wesley. How's it going? And joining us this evening is Jen Chadborn, an Iraq War veteran, military justice advocate, author, artist, ex-Wiccan, atheist, vegetarian, firearms enthusiast, and self-professed <laughs> not an asshole. Also self-cleaning. Oh. <laughs> she blogs at Happy Heresy and loves Minecraft. Jen, welcome to Atheist Nomads. Thank you again for having me. Hey, you're our first ex-Wiccan we're going to have yeah, to explore not, that in a bit. We're not very common and we're not very outspoken so far as I can tell. <laughs> so, I, I have tried combing other atheist forums for ex-Wiccans, ex-Pagans, ex-New Agers in the general sense. And I'm just, I'm sure they're there. Surely I can't be the only one. I'm just not finding them. <laughs> Let's see. Leaving mm. a group with no dogma and... I, from what I've heard of paganism, it doesn't really seem like anything really worth leaving unless you just happen to have, you know, a, a rational mind. Aren't you just like calling to the directions, drinking alcohol and dancing in the moonlight? <laughs> well, there's, as most Wiccans will probably tell you, there's quite a bit more to it than just that. But, you know, yeah, that's the that's the long and short of it. But um, my reasons for joining Wicca as a religion uh, back in 2001, 2002, and for leaving it 11 years later were kind of my own. Um, really strange story. Uh, I went to college. I went to an art school in Portland, Maine in uh, 2001, in September of 2001. Guess what happened my first week of college? 9-11. Um, and so I, I kind of had that leaving home permanently for the first time having to get used to going to, to school, get used to my classes, get used to my teachers and my classmates for the first time ever. And then everyone had this thrown at them, the whole world for a day. And well, for pretty well after that, actually thrown into chaos. Now, I, I have a lot of relatives in the New York City area, um, Manhattan and Brooklyn and such. So of course, everybody in my family was very worried about them. Everybody was panicked, like, oh no, oh no, oh no. I, I was... I was kind of wrestling with being a lax Baptist at the time, mm -hmm. but I had this, I had this friend who was gay. I, I kind of wrestled with the whole God hates gays thing because they didn't necessarily, that they adapted this very love the sinner, hate the sin attitude, which, you know, we all know is nonsense. We all know it's bullshit. We all know it's, it's really, it's really just a farce. But I was, that, that was a big contributor to the cognitive dis and that is part of the reason I decided to leave Christianity was because, like, wait a minute, this is this is very contrary to everything the Jesus that I'd read about at the time 
would have actually liked. No. So um, within the next few days after 9-11, I started interacting with and meeting a few of my classmates. And there was this dude who ran a shop on Congress Street at the time in Portland, Maine. The big main road that goes right through the whole city is called Congress Street. He ran this kind of new age crystal incense kind of shop. And I became really good friends with him. I wrote a whole four post blog series uh, about this guy called the story of Z. That's this nickname uh, that he went by was uh, he insisted that we all called him Z and that the next few years kind of learning about how Wiccan circles operate, how some of the rituals operate, but also some of the really strange things that I was observing within that particular circle that were happening versus things I was reading about in books written by people like Starhawk and Scott Cunningham, who are very well-known uh, authors within New Age Wiccan uh, circles. And just like, wait a minute, this is kind of scary, actually. And that's, that's not what all these people are doing. Uh, okay, people are like moving out of their parents' houses and moving into the same building. Okay, I think I think maybe I need to leave now. Hmm. It, it got it got it didn't occur to me at the time because I didn't want to think about the strange things I was observing because I kind of thought that okay, well, this is just how these people do things, like a like a cultural difference. Uh, some covens do things this way, some covens do it another, and this is just the way that we do things. But then I started noticing that there was a very exclusive group and not just these people only ever hung out with each other and didn't talk to anyone else. There were mostly girls and I don't remember any of them ever having a steady boyfriend ever because that's, they only ever spoke to each other and Z and that was it. For the longest time, I didn't see a problem with this. And then some wheels started to turn as some other things started to happen and some other bits of spiritual wisdom, quote unquote, didn't make any goddamn sense and like brazenly contradicted something Z said a year before. And then then those wheels started turning and um, I just kind of got to thinking one day, you know, I'm starting to think there's a distinct possibility that either he's not who or what he says he is, or this is this is just fucked up and wrong. Now, one of the reasons I wound up leaving Z's circle was because I had this boyfriend at the time that I didn't realize was a piece of shit until it was too late. But I just kind of, all of these excuses and all of these ideas and all of these ignoring the misses and only counting the hits, it only, it backed up and it kept backing up and it kept sticking in the gears in my mind. And I'm just like, no, I, you know, something's got to change. I can't, I can't keep doing this when I know something's not things are not adding up and I don't like the direction that this is going. And the last I had heard, um, and I stumbled across this information completely by accident, Z's group is still operating. I don't know where. I'm pretty sure somewhere still in southern Maine, but I don't know exactly where they are. I've made no effort to try to contact any of these people and I don't want to hear from them either, but it's just kind of um ex Wiccans or out ex Wiccans in the atheist circles seems so rare because people don't want to think people don't want to think of Wicca as being as ridiculous or as well threatening is a loaded term, but 
you know, as big of an issue as, say, many of us who've been brought up in Christian households or Catholic households or Jewish households. It's not something that you hear a whole lot about. It's not something that a lot of us are so very familiar with that, you know, we can talk about our experiences and everybody knows what they're talking about. No, like I've maybe met one or two other atheists that are former Wiccans, pagans, new agey types. And, and then there's me. Hmm. I've met a lot of new agey types, but uh, not a lot of Wiccans, I'd say. Uh, man, it, it seems like uh, just a, another system of control. I mean, it, it when you were describing it to start with, like you have this coven here, does it this way, this one does it that way. I mm-hmm. was thinking that just sure sounds like Christianity all over again right there. But uh I'm sure lot- most I'm sure most Wiccans would their skin would crawl to hear you say that, but um Sure. I mean I mean I'm not trying to con- compare the systems, but I'm just saying that everybody does it a little bit different and Yeah, it, that and that's just, that's, that's why the there's underlying you know, idea is that Wiccans pride themselves on there is no there is not supposed to be a definite right or wrong way to be a spiritual person or to be one with nature or to communicate with God and goddess figures. That's, that is the outward and underlying purpose. But, you know, being human beings, we adopt, we adopt those mentalities or we adopt those attitudes anyway. No, this is the way I've always done it. This is the right way to do it. And it, in a way, it does wind up becoming similar systems of control to say Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Scientology. And all that, and all that other stuff. Now, the circle that I ran with under Z back in Portland, Maine was definitely an extreme case because members of other covens are allowed to have friends. But yeah, your sounds more cult like. You know, nobody joins a cult. They join a yoga club or a Bible study and then the shit just changes into something else, but some some mechanism is in place that people are persuaded not to question it, or they're afraid of questioning it, and we didn't dare question him. And I think that was part of the, the reason why I started noticing behaviors, and I started noticing contrary statements and contrary behaviors over a period of about two or three years, that eventually I just kind of said to myself, like, all right, I'm pretty sure this is not normal, even for the most, like, <laughs> even for the most far left-wing, crystal-carrying Wiccan, <laughs> this is not normal. So I made a decision to just kind of wash my hands. And then later on, I found out that things were being, apparently being said about me that weren't true, but I didn't want to, I didn't oh. pursue anything because I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to be seen as picking a fight with these people or, or causing drama because nobody likes drama. Also kind of cult-like. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, um, it sounded like this, you were setting up a harem, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, as far as anything in that department is concerned, I never observed any of that kind of behavior. Though I'm also of the mindset that what happens between consenting adults is their business of how many consenting adults but i'm, I'm all did, for if it poverty. did happen yeah oh me too completely but um <laughs> if any of if any sort of um intermember relations were happening i did not see anything hmm. you know you were just saying that there was a, a few women that would only speak to each other and z 
That That's just it. seems interesting to me. He would get mad at me if I had a male partner for too long. Yeah. Like he would come up with any kind of reason he could think of like, oh, well, this person's energy is toxic or this person is, you know, just using you for the X, Y, and Z. Just like, huh. um, excuse me, but I, I had a one night stand with this one dude. Big, you know, I'm human. I'm a grown ass mm. woman. I have desires, you know, an appetite should be fed as, and I was fucking hungry. Hungry like so, the wolf. So I chowed down and apparently that was a problem. I had no intention of ever speaking to this dude again. It was just a kind of, you know, hey, you're handsome. Let's bone. <laughs> but apparently that was a big deal for him. And he brought it up in front of all of the other coven members. And I'm like, you know what? Wow. It's a good thing you can't actually read minds because you wouldn't want to know <laughs> what's a, what imaginary hand gesture I'm flipping up right now. It took me a long time to kind of come to terms with that that is not only not normal behavior, but not my fault. There was no way for me to have been able to tell that that's where that situation was going to go. I didn't know. And, and I, I don't think anybody, nobody in their right mind walks into a situation like that knowing that they're going to be drinking Kool-Aid in about six months to a year. People get suckered into these things and then they just stop questioning it because they want, either they want so badly to live it or they're afraid to question it. And in my case, in the situation with Z's circle, it was definitely the latter. Damn. Yeah, that that sounds a, a lot like uh, some some of our past guests that, you know, if you leave it, you're leaving your family, your friends, everything that you know. I mean, yours is a, a much shorter term of, of time than some other people's. But, uh, yeah, I was also, I was also very lucky everything. that um, I did have friends on the outside, quote unquote, that. I didn't want to listen to at the time. You're just like, no, it's totally not going to hell in a handbasket. And then, then that's, that switch flips in your head and you're just like, yeah, you know what? This is, um, I've never liked Kool-Aid. Bye. <laughs> so how long were you, you in Z circle? Uh, about two or three years. Hmm. And I can, I continued following Wicca as a spiritual path for many, many years after that. I never really joined another coven again after that, though. I was very hesitant of ever doing that again. I bought my own books. I bought my own supplies, crystals, statues, you know, feathers, that kind of thing. I did my own thing for a long time after that. I was just, I was very adamantly, nope, I am not joining another group again after this. Hmm. <laughs> Man, feathers. Okay. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, Wic Wicca is a religion that believes that um, people who follow this path derive power, um, spiritual clarity, closeness with nature through collecting or using certain objects from nature. So say you're, you're taking a casual hike in your favorite or national park and you happen to see a really feather or a really pretty rock that you're just fixated on and drawn to. And that's a message from the spirit, or that's a, a message from some entity of your choice, mostly, that, hey, you should pick up that rock and bring it home. I've, I actually, I found an owl feather. I believe it came from a, a, a spotted owl and in just in pristine condition. 
just this, I swear, it's about half the size of my forearm and this cream white and caramel colored bands on it. It's really, really pretty that I, I had found. Um, hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I still like going, I still like enjoying the outdoors. I still like going for hikes and whatnot. I, I still, to a point, I have always enjoyed and appreciated nature and experiencing nature. Um, maybe about a week and a half ago, my husband and I went for a trail run at Devil's Den State Park here in Arkansas and just gorgeous place. I love being outside in the middle of the forest or or where have you, the Grand Canyon, and just being surrounded by the awe and majesty that is the natural world. It is an it is an incredible feeling. It is a spiritual feeling, but you know, the thing about religion is it kind of hijacks those feelings and attributes them to something that's not real. Definitely. There's a, a just tons of just magnificent landscapes and just the grandeur of, of like you're saying, the Grand Canyon or, or just anything that's out there. Mm. I, I per, personally, it, it's usually like really big rocks uh, along the ocean for me. You know, just I'm always on the Pacific coast and it's just amazing. Just this overwhelming sense of majesty, just like this. Holy shit. This is beautiful. Oh, but, I know it. I do miss the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I know I moving from Maine to Arkansas, people are like, why the hell would you go to Arkansas? You know, Fayetteville is actually a really cool place. <laughs> the University of Arkansas is here and that's where I'm going to school. So, okay. And that and I just love Fayetteville. It's like this pocket of sanity in the middle of the South. I love it here. <laughs> so could you tell us uh, more about other other beliefs of, of Wiccans? Yeah, I'd love to learn the basics. Um, oh goodness, it's been a while. <laughs> Wicca is, as I've mentioned, it's, it's a nature derived or a nature inspired religion. Officially, there's no real dogma. There are no real figureheads. There's no authority. There's no, like, uh, the Catholic Church has the Vatican, which has the Pope. There's none of that. You have a few figureheads, usually authors, people like Lori Cabot and yes, Sylvia Brown. Even though she did not outwardly profess Wicca as her religion, she was still very beloved to a lot of uh, my fellow Wiccans and Pagans. At the time, I had read a couple of her books, and they were, even then, they were, I, they didn't make a lick of sense to me. Um, Wicca is a British import. It came to America unofficially sometime in the, I believe in the 30s and 40s, by a man named Gerald Gardner. And Gerald Gardner made the claim that he had been brought up in this pagan-esque spiritual tradition by some of his friends back in England and, you know, traveled back and forth between England and America teaching other people this. And in the 60s and 70s, when you had, you know, the sexual revolution, because Wicca um, does not normally, it's probably the only somewhat or somewhat organized religion that does not dogmatize its followers into misogyny, which is interesting. You know, men mm -hmm. and women alike, but especially women, um, you know, were just lining up in droves learning about this new idea, this new idea of spirituality, this new, hey, we can be spiritual by embracing nature instead of having to go to a church. You know, we can be spiritually active and we can embrace the universe. And then you get into the, we can cast spells and talk to the dead. Right. Which, you know, I can see why that has a lot of allure for not just Wiccans and Pagans, but for anybody. I can see why that has a lot of allure for people who've lost someone very close to them, 
or people who've experienced something very messed up and want some kind of an answer. But science says otherwise. And, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. So many New Agers are anti-vaxxers as well. In mm -hmm. Interesting little side note there for you. If it's, if it's not natural, it can't be good for you. Cyanide is natural. Arsenic <laughs> is natural. These things are not good for you. You know, vac vaccines, um, vaccines are certainly not perfect, but they are not the big pharma devil, bad energy, turn you into a zombie kind of thing that some people make them out to be. I think that's one thing that right wing fundamentalists and uh, far left new age fruit loops have in common is a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have a hard on for vaccines. I'm just like, hmm. So when I, when I hear fellow atheists like uh, in conversations like, oh, well, Wiccans and new agers really aren't that harmful on the surface. No, but they adopt a lot of ideas that are potentially extremely harmful, whether or not they personally um, take responsibility for them. The whole uh, natural medicine, alternative medicine, Reiki, no vaccinations, GMOs, that kind of thing. That definitely makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'd still say that everything in the world is natural, whether it's been made in a lab or not. I mean, it mm -hmm. all comes from nature somehow. So is it just the natural angle or do you end up getting other forms of, of conspiratorial thinking? Mm. Mm, conspiratorial thinking. A Interesting term. Because that's really sure. the common the commonality between the far left and the far right is Ghosts and aliens seem to be pretty big ones as well. Ghosts especially play a huge role in a lot of uh in a lot of Wiccan and pagan communities because um, some people come from uh, cultures that practice ancestor worship. Sure, in the West, these tend to be kind of rare, as far as I know, but um, they also believe in things like spirit animals. So that beloved Sparky the dog that you lost when you were eight years old is apparently still following you around. You know what I've always wondered, though, about spirit animals? How come nobody ever has a trilobite? <laughs> nobody ever claims the lowly gentle little trilobite as their spirit guide. I'm, I'm waiting for this. I, I'm waiting for the, <laughs> the, uh, I have an Archaeopteryx as my power animal. <laughs> I'm betting that anybody that has a trilobite for a, for a spirit animal, you know, trilobite that never leave it, leaves its house. I'm betting that's one of the basement drawlers that never leaves his parents' house. So you'd never <laughs> find them anyways. And maybe you're just like, leave me alone. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just scuttling across the ocean floor. I like plankton. <laughs> I'm uh, waiting for the, uh, the, uh, I have a velociraptor as a spirit animal or, or what have you. These people probably wouldn't be afraid to let the Jehovah's Witnesses in their house come right in. <laughs> <laughs> just like Jurassic Park. Clever girl. Well, just never use an outhouse and you'll be all right. <laughs> just so many contrary and, and and not even contrary just things in my experience in Wiccan and New Age belief are so broad that w when you have a belief system that revolves around this concept that well there is no, no right or wrong way some people are just like Z some people are just doing it the wrong fucking way like when you have people that, oh, well, well, nothing is really, nothing can really be done the wrong way. 
and I, I don't want to use slippery slope arguments, but when you have people that um, do engage in, I actually know voodoo is not necessarily a fair comparison because there's actually a lot of history and a lot of anthropology and a lot of uh, belief as to why voodoo practices animal sacrifice, of course. And to us here in the West, it looks a certain way, but it's really not what we think it is. But when you have this broad concept of there is no right or wrong way, it's just like, well, then, you know, what are you, what are you really doing? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I making any sense? Yeah. It's, it's all yeah. so. <laughs> well, and, and especially when you have, you know, with, with any kind of, of system, especially one that, that doesn't value skepticism and rational thought, that's kind of a way to, to protect against some of this, but the, you end up getting the cult of personality. And it definitely sounds like at the very least that's what, what Z had. And I'm sure there's other Wiccans out there like that. And when you, you start getting into that, it's really easy for that power to start, uh, getting into your head and then you start abusing it. Oh, yeah. And, um, I can certainly see it with other Wiccan figureheads as well. People like Lori Cabot, especially, who runs, um, she runs her own shop in Salem, Massachusetts. She sells her own licensed products, oils, incenses for like $20 for a very small baggie of something that I can grow in my garden and dry up myself <laughs> for almost nothing. Wait, now um, she's a, a yeah. witch in Salem, Massachusetts? Yes. She's a very just, well-known one, too. Just fucking asking for it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You know, a witch in, in Salem, how original. <laughs> how fucking original. And I mean, I on the surface, I can respect somebody that can be honest about themselves. Like, well, I believe in this. On the surface, she she has these... You know, I do love these outfits that... Um, like Renfair-like outfits that some of my Wiccan friends used to come up with. And yes, I used to wear too sometimes. Nothing I love wrong those. With Ren. Nothing I wrong with Ren. Oh, no. I love Ren fairs. I can respect a person that genuinely does not give a fuck. Someone like Bjork. I love her music. I love her style. She does not give a single solitary fuck. But someone like Lori Cabot or um, other figureheads in the New Age movement, like who's this Long Island medium who was in oh, the news no. recently? Um, and Sylvia Brown. Teresa Caputo? Teresa Caputo. Thank you. It's... It's one thing to put yourself out there because you enjoy it and because you're good at something, like Bjork. Yes, Bjork is a good musician. Don't argue with me on that, goddammit. <laughs> no, I like her. You did? Oh, wonderful. Um, it's one thing to put yourself out there because you're good at something and because you are proud of who you are. And it is something else to do it for the sole purpose of selling people something, an idea or a product or a lie. And the fact that Lori Cabot is allowed to get away with selling pouches of herbs that you can grow yourself at home, sold in little fabric pouches that you could go down to Joanne Fabrics and get your own for much less. I it it, it just boggles the mind. And like, you know what? Go go teach a conference or something. Talk about your spiritual ideals in terms of the rest of the world. Go to an actual interfaith conference. Don't just like sit there behind a counter and try to sell people shit. That's dishonest. Eh. It's dishonesty in its worst form, I think. Everybody's got to make a buck. 
and she's probably making it off of all the people that aren't really into it. They're, you know, the, the little fair weather Wiccans that are out there. I think there's a certain novelty to buying a charged crystal from a real witch in Salem. It's like this, <laughs> it's also this kind oh, yeah. of spiritual elitism. And also that's, that's also a strange attitude that I've noticed is very prevalent among Wiccans and pagans, um, whether it's conscious or not this, well, I got this from here, so it's better than yours. Or, well, I traveled all the way to India to get this statue of Kali or Shiva, so it's better. It's more authentic than the one that you ordered off Amazon. I'm just like, really? It's, isn't the idea behind this is that you have the right mindset and you, you know, you have the, your heart's in the right place. Your mind is in the right place. Your chi is in the right alignment. It doesn't matter if you spent $10 or $100 on it. It's, it's all so weird. Yeah, obviously not. I mean, yeah. if they're going to, if they're going to be, you know, dicks about it. And <laughs> oh, man. This is kind of so, fun. So how much of it is, is drawing from the, from Eastern religion? A lot, actually. Um, Buddhism, or some aspects of Buddhism, are uh, also somewhat popular with Wiccans, but they tend to draw more heavily on the ancient European pantheons of gods, the Celts, uh, the Greeks and Romans, the Norse especially, uh, gods and goddesses from other parts of the world, South and Central America, voodoo, African folklore, um, the, the Shinto gods or kami from Japan, I've seen that as well. It's just a, it's an interesting little cultural mishmash of gods that otherwise may or may not necessarily get along with each other that people, um, <laughs> pay homage to. It's actually, it's really interesting because I can't help but wonder if Zeus and Odin would be buying each other drinks or fighting outside the bar. This would be interesting <laughs> to see. See, I've always been curious about this because I always heard that, uh, Druidism and Wiccan ism were kind of tied together and my understanding was that uh it was invented by englishmen basically f looking at ruins back in the 17 late 17s or 1800s are you talking about druidism or wicca i wasn't sure where the line was drawn uh if if they're actually completely separate and distinct spiritual paths or or not the term pagan is kind of a blanket term for a lot of the earth-based, well, neo-pagan religions, Wicca falls under that umbrella. Wicca just happens to be the most well-known one. Um, there are a lot of pagan religions. Um, Asatru is another one, which is kind of a resurrected version of the old Norse religion that the Vikings used to follow. It's kind of a piecing back together and a reclaimed version of whatever religion the Vikings called themselves. As far as I understand it, um, the Vikings had this own kind of strange relationship with their religious ideals, their their spiritual beliefs, and their gods. Um, prophetizing and spirituality, as far as I understand it, was not like on the on the forefront for them. They just it was just who they were. It was just their lives. There are um, reclaimed versions, like like Asatru was the reclaimed version of the Nor the old Norse gods. You have Druidism, which, as far as I understand it, and I don't have a whole lot of experience with it, is the reclaimed version of, like, the priesthood of the ancient Celts. Um, and when you're saying reclaimed, that, that's where I'm taking issue with it, I think, is 
is that I don't think there was ever a, a link uh, between the old ones and the the people that started it back up. So they're, they're just guessing. Um, there is another interesting problem with the New Age movement and some of these New Age religions that you kind of have this bastardized version or watered-down version of what you would have seen a thousand years ago. Obviously, because if you gather people in the center of the town and like start sacrificing cattle and the, 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 you know, the police might show up and have a few interesting things to say. No, I get that. But archaeologists and anthropologists, as far as I can see, their writings and their documentation of things that they have found and that they have observed and studied are completely different than what you're going to see at a new age bookstore. Very oh, yeah. different. And even between the different New Age authors, their claims are so broadly different from one another's that they often contradict each other. But, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do any of this, so I guess none of it really matters. I personally, um, one of my favorite places to travel to is the Museum of Fine Art in Boston. If you ever get a chance to go to the MFA in Boston, you should go. This is one of those life-changing experience that <laughs> that will be well worth the 20-something dollars for a whole day's pass to just wander around the museum. They have real Egyptian mummies. They have real um, Babylonian stamp seals. They have real artifacts from ancient from the ancient world, from all over the world, India, China, Japan, the Americas, the Pacific Islands, everywhere. And you really, you see for yourself Every little bead, every little coin, every little jar, every necklace, every kimono, every sword. And, you know, you wouldn't expect to find these things in an art museum, in mm -hmm. a fine art museum. No, just look at it. Think about the fact that a human being made this. Probably, you know, spent their whole lives. Their parents probably trained them and their parents probably trained them. Their whole culture is being physically represented by this sword by this coin or by this sculpture or painting. And when you actually check out the information that the museum has available, and they have a lot of resources, and you see it, it, it has been formally studied, it is there in front of you, and it just pales in comparison to what any New Age foo-foo book might put in your head. It's just like, wow, I, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I ever saw a real kimono, not the touristy crap that you can buy at, at you know, anime conventions, like a real one. Oh, yeah. Someone, someone spent years sewing this garment together, embroidering it by hand, making sure that the pattern of the fabric was dyed perfectly. And if it wasn't, had to take out that whole part and start all over again. A real human being made this. And to turn a symbol of that culture to appropriate it in such a way as to just kind of make it a cheap source of spiritual entertainment for you, like so you can feel good about yourself knowing that it's not, you know, in a way knowing that it's not what people are selling it to you to be, it, to me, it's just, it's insulting. It's vulgar. Now, the other side of that coin is that, like, I, I understand that those of us who grew up with fundamentalist Christianity, Catholicism, Islam, some people want to enjoy a spiritual experience without feeling like, well, I'm not hurting anybody. I just want to enjoy this experience. Okay, fine. But if you have to lie to yourself 
to enjoy that experience in that in that particular context you know what kind of what kind of spiritual lessons what kind of lessons are you deriving from that if you have to set up this kind of spiritual stereotype in your mind of an entire culture to make you feel better about yourself <laughs> Yeah, Did I, I go can, off on one of my tangents? <laughs> oh, no, I, I can definitely fill you out. Uh, I spent uh, close to a year and a half over in Japan and I bought a couple of used kimonos that were, that are just beautifully, amazingly detailed and completely love them. And there's, yeah, you're right. There's tons of, of hard work to, to go in those. A lot of filling, mm. a lot of probably blood, sweat and tears and all that. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of very hard work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you came out of uh, uh, being a Baptist. Did you mm-hmm. still believed in God still <clears throat> or kind of a spiritual thing? I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to see to your believe. path between, between being a, a believer and, and, and not like a, a direct path on that. Um, well, I had, I'd kind of during the 11 years, of mishmashing whatever version of Wicca I felt like following at the time <laughs> or branding myself with at the time, there were always questions in the back of my mind. There was always the element of, I did this spell and this ritual and with this crystal and this colored candle, did I get the desired outcome? Great. That means that it worked. But then later on, I started learning about, uh, mostly through mostly through uh, the, at the time, YouTube atheist community before they were all at each other's throats, um, <laughs> what logical fallacies were. Uh, King Heathen, Richard Coughlin, and at the time, Thunderfoot were three of my favorites. Uh, I started learning about what logical fallacies were um, and how they worked and uh, things like the No True Scotsman fallacy, concepts like, you know, acknowledging the hits and ignoring the misses and just like kind of started to go into that oh to that thought process well i want to enjoy being a spiritual person i'm not hurting anybody i don't want to hurt anybody i don't want to be an ignorant jerk i just want to be this and making little psychological excuses for myself and it took me a while to really realize it then again some shit hit the fan in iraq yeah that kind of forced that thought process to finalize. But I was wrestling with, you know, what if I'm just doing this wrong? Or, you know, what if the energy of the universe isn't right? This, that, or the other, you know, what if I'm losing my faith? What if I can't possibly imagine there not being gods or spirits or chi or anything like that? And then some shit hit the fan um, halfway across the planet. And then that, that really... That really put the nail in the coffin for me. Hmm. Um, but as far as how I came into Wicca from Christianity long, long time before all that happened, it was this, um, I was not formally raised a Baptist. I was raised a Catholic. Me and Catholicism never got along because it was what, uh, my parents wanted me to do because that's what their parents did. That's what all our relatives did. We have a lot of family in New York, Brooklyn, Long Island. Um, sorry, I almost slipped into my mother's accent. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, apparently I do this hilarious impression of a lot of my relatives and they love it when I do it because I make fun of their New York accent. Um, bring it on. It's all good. Oh, it's horrible. (laughs) Oh, you people, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up 
kind of like this failed Catholic experiment, <laughs> if you will. And one of my, uh, I didn't have very many friends as a kid, so, you know, typical, you know, hey, this um, best friend of mine, this best buddy goes to a different church, and they have a youth group, and they do activities, and they play games, and they learn about the Bible. You know, that's there's a lot of appeal in that for a sixth grader that doesn't have any friends at all. And like, hey, these people won't judge me. I would love to play tag in a church parking lot. Sure, I'll sit inside your building for an hour and a half and read out of this book. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, God sounds like a great guy. Never mind that Judges 19 crap. Wait, what do you mean boys that like boys are going to hell? What is, what the, why do you care? If we're all saved, why do you care? <laughs> I just, and it, it shames me to admit, for a while, I bought that. I bought that line, hook, line, and sinker. But again, that was an eventual, Hey, that friend started questioning himself. I can't, this person is my friend. I can't just treat them differently because your set of ideas wants me to. You know, I have shared experiences with that friend. We grew up together. No, fuck you. Fuck you right in the eye. I'm not going to do this. So that's part of how, um, how I left evangelical Christianity and just wandered right on into Z's shop and went balls deep into Wicca. All right. Good deal. Mm. Let's totally change gears. Dustin, what you Fine think? Yeah. Right. So let's, let's, let's talk about the military a bit. Uh, sure. One thing, uh, that Wesley had passed along was that, uh, one of your, your big issues you like covering is, is military justice. Um, what do you mean by that? Military justice. That's, I think that's the first time anybody's ever <laughs> used that term with me before. Thank you. Oh. Not talking about a sock party, are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, I, I enlisted in the United States Army in 2009, um, completed basic training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, Relax in Jackson. I made some wonderful friends. I went to some very interesting places. Iraq was among them. And I saw some very strange, intriguing, and horrifying things during my four years in the army. Um, and ever since I've gotten out, I have basically become a full-out SJW, and that term irritates me, but I take it as a term of endearment, on the subject of... What's SJW? SJW yep. is a derogatory term calling somebody a social justice warrior. Oh. Basically, somebody who like who has a cause, and and some people, some people who speak up, and people should speak up about things that they think are wrong, or you know, an issue that they are passionate about. Great, but labeling someone an SJW to just kind of shut them up is to dismiss them as being annoying. But what I have been doing ever since I hung up my ACUs in 2013 is that I have been doing everything. Anything and everything within the realm of the law to make the secular, humanist, and atheist communities aware of exactly how bad the issue of sexual assault and harassment is in the United States military, and to remind them of the fact that your tax dollars are paying for it. Hmm. Basically, um, to give a long and short, um, abbreviated version of my situation, uh, I was brand new to my unit my big boy unit, if you will, when I graduated from AIT. Like, I got to Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and the next day, 
was like, hey, you know, welcome to Fort Huachuca. You know you're going to Iraq in three weeks. Right? What? 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 Uh, what oh, the fuck? How, <laughs> I don't even know your name. How do you know this? And I, I didn't want to believe it. And it was, it was traumatizing for me. But yep, sure enough, three weeks later, my ass was on a plane. And um, yeah, I wound up deploying to Iraq. And I wasn't even a year into my military career by the time I was over there. But you know what? It bothered me at first, but eventually um, it kind of set in, you know what? I signed the enlistment contract. I accepted that possibility. I still think it's shitty, but I kind of figured that this might happen. Because when you join the military, you accept a certain possibility that your ass might be sent off to war. Mm-hmm. But um, And right straight off the bat, you start noticing certain behaviors about military personnel. There's a very strong Christian, mostly evangelical, but definitely Christian presence in the American military. And um, secular organizations for uh, veterans and soldiers do exist. Uh, military associations of atheists and freethinkers being one of them. I was a member, but, you know, nobody in a formation full of soldiers, nobody questions the chaplain or the chaplain's assistant handing out copies of the King James Bible. Nobody questions, nobody really questions um, talking about God's plan or, you know, God and country, that kind of mentality. And it's not even in these, uh, <laughs> in these for the horde kind of infantry units, zug zug. It's not just there. It is everywhere. It is very pervasive and multiple levels of military society. And I, I think that part of the reason why people who advocate to change problems within the military have seemed to have such a hard time doing it is because there seems to be this idea that what happens in the military doesn't affect the civilian world. And I don't think that's true, especially in terms of the issue of rape, sexual harassment, sexual assault, um, because when people leave the military, they take all of their issues, all of their experiences, everything that they've learned, their attitudes, their beliefs, they take all that stuff with them and try to reintegrate into society with that, for good or ill. Um, and when you have a system that deliberately does not punish people that hurt one another, and it is... It's mind-blowing that the Department of Defense is so adamant on not doing anything to effectively fix this problem. They'd rather pretend it doesn't exist outright, and they're very public about that, too. Um, but when you have a system that so brazenly endorses that kind of mentality and that kind of behavior, yes, of course it's going to come back and bite civilians in the ass. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but your tax dollars are endorsing that kind of behavior are endorsing that kind of mentality that kind of might makes right because god said so authority you know woman shall not have authority over a man a uh, woman is secondary to man women don't, don't even belong in the military oh interesting tidbit aside from prison the american military is the only situation that i am presently aware of where men are assaulted more often than women they're just less likely to report it because of all of the stigmas that they face Wow. It's, hmm. and it feels, it feels like a real uphill battle. Um, talking about my own circumstances, 
um, in my case, it was a, I made a non-drug-related, non-violent slip-up. I got to know somebody who outranked me. We got very close, and with the full blessing of our our respective spouses and partners, everybody knew everybody. Everybody was cool with it, except when my unit found out about it, um, one of my squad mates broke into my room, and I'm... Ah, uh, yeah, he tried to do something pretty fucking awful, but fortunately for all parties involved, he was interrupted. Basically, he broke, he forced his way into my room, grabbed me by my shirt collar, slammed my head against a wooden wall locker, and then next thing I know, I'm come, I'm trying to come up to my feet, and he's like coming right at me, looming over me, and I'm like, oh fuck. Oh shit. Uh, Damn. Oh, oh, he faced no charges at all for you know. Apparently, I'm such a lecherous whore and a sinner that, you know, I deserve to be assaulted, publicly humiliated, called names, uh, stigmatized. But, you know, hey, apparently him breaking into my or forcing his way past my door and attempting to assault me. No, that's perfectly fine. And they they did that. I, I I complained repeatedly to include in person to my commanding officer standing three or four feet away from his face. I told him everything. And he just sat there and literally did nothing. Holy shit. It's just, it's, it's mind blowing that, um, and all while, while all of this was happening, culminating over the course of weeks and months, it was, I'm a shitty soldier because I'm not right with God. And that the UCMJ is supposed, the uniform code of military justice is supposedly modeled after the Bible, which I found out is not true. Um, <laughs> lo and behold, um, it was very, you know, if, if, you know, if, if you weren't such a sinner, you know, X, Y, and Z, how am I not supposed to be pissed off at religion? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I can laugh about, I can laugh about, the the insane mentality about it, the very brazen application of rape culture in a, in a in such an extreme capacity in a permissive setting, I can laugh at that mentality. There was a time where, when I got home, like I I couldn't even say the words. I felt physically ill. I didn't sleep for four consecutive days at one point. It was that mm. bad. But nope, apparently because I engaged in a consensual relationship with another sober consenting adult that someone didn't happen to understand or agree with, apparently in the eyes of my chain of command, I deserved that. What the the actual fuck? What the fuck over, I know. And for a long time, I tried, I really tried to bring this whole situation to people's attention. Um, to other people in my unit, to other NCOs. And I kept getting the same response over and over and over again. Well, you did make a mistake. Would you be saying this if this had happened to your son or daughter? I don't think, I don't think you would have the balls to say something like that to them. If, if this exact circumstance, if they made a otherwise trivial mistake and were being brazenly punished in this same way, I, I doubt you would. And if you do, you're probably a coward. But the the one person that did seem to give a damn was my unit chaplain. 
it just so happened my unit had their own chaplain that actually gave a damn about doing his job. And also a fellow native New Englander. We, you know, us crazy Mainers have this kind of, uh, unspoken bond kind of. And it's like, you know, hey, you're from Portland. I'm from Damariscotta. I'm from Wiscasset. Uh, um, <laughs> other places in Maine, most people have never heard of. But, uh, just kind of, okay. Yes, I know you're a chaplain, but actually conducted himself like a professional, didn't prophetize to me, knew I wasn't there for that, but somebody that I could actually talk to about this situation, just like, look, here's what's up. Here's what happened. I need some help. I'm falling apart at the seams. I'm driving my husband nuts. I'm driving everyone around me fucking crazy. But everyone else I talk to about this just dismisses me outright. So um, my unit chaplain, yes, chaplains as a position, get a free pass of getting basically paid by the federal government to do a job, which is endorse a specific religion. But at the same time, chaplains also provide uh, certain or supposed to provide certain community support and other functions to include, hey, if you feel like talking to somebody, here's my office. And then that's the capacity that, um, that that came about, which is good. Um, so was he able to actually help you with anything, get any resolution to bust this asshole down or anything? The warrant, um, the warrant officer and I were still in contact and still engaging our relationship. Um, unbeknownst to my unit, I was afraid that if I pursued anything that would come to light again and legally that would have come back at me. Under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, it would have been disobeying an order of a superior officer. But I, I also, after so many times of trying to have something done formally about the situation and just being dismissed and ignored and blamed for it at every single turn, I kind of lost hope. I kind of got this, you know what, maybe I should just wait until I'm either out of the military or no longer among these people before I say something, because if I have to distance myself, you know, get some distance between me and Fort Huachuca in order to make something happen, then so be it, because I didn't want to hurt the people I loved any more than I already had. But mm -hmm. I knew I knew that this whole situation was wrong on their end, and I felt like I had to do something. So what I wound up doing, I was originally going to re-enlist into the Army once the lift... Uh, or once they lifted the ban against female soldiers in combat positions, I was going to apply for a very specific um, MOS, actually. And the day I went to take a diagnostic uh, APFT for that uh, for that job to see where I was at, I wound up injuring myself rather badly and Ooh. was pretty much, well, if you work out, if you do sit-ups, do not put your hands on your neck. Because what happened was as part of the APFT, the Army Physical Fitness Test, it's two minutes of as many push-ups as you can do, two minutes of as many sit-ups as you can do, and a timed two-mile run around a track. Um, what, about halfway through sit-ups, I pulled, and my spine said, fuck this shit, and I felt this like really hot, hard snap inside my shoulder between my neck and my shoulder. I mean, it, um, oh. it felt like somebody had stretched out my muscles like a really big rubber band and then cut them at the exact same time. Oh my God, it hurt. 
And they told me, oh, it's just a muscle spasm. You'll be fine in about a week. No, I herniated two discs in my goddamn neck. I I have permanent nerve damage in my entire right arm. One doctor has told me that he thinks he, that I have more scar tissue than muscle in my right shoulder. But, you know, I, I have heard so many different things from so many different doctors. Some of them all line up to the same general idea of what's wrong with me. And some of them don't. I, I was on 14 different medications over the course of a year for the pain and for my other symptoms. I, I don't carry a purse in public, like a one shoulder purse. I can't. Because the weight of that purse on either shoulder will throw something out of alignment and I will be in pain for the rest of the day. It's mm, awful. Damn. But, you know, oh, you're not really hurt. You're faking it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, stop writing a profile. Like, excuse me, Dr. Sergeant. Um, fuck off. But no, <laughs> um, I wound up not staying in the military. I, and I, I did want to. I had figured that, all right, I got stuck with a bunch of shit bags for a unit that clearly don't care about me, my well-being, or what I'm capable of, or giving me a fair chance. Or doing I, the right thing. Or or just doing their damn jobs. You know, how hard would it have been to just write down the complaints and take it from there? Just do your damn job. Um, the military, I, I don't want to make it sound like if anybody's thinking of joining, don't just take my word for things. If it's something you really want to do, Get as much information as you can before you sign that contract. It, you know what? It, it's it's a good gig, and it's a good life for people who are good at that sort of thing. They're not the, the army is not all a bunch of dumb grunts. There, sure, there are some really bad eggs in that gr- in that bunch, but um, the military can offer a lot of opportunities for people that otherwise wouldn't have access to them, and you know, for, for people who have a certain sense of patriotism, who actually, you know, do love America and what it stands for. Like, I, I consider myself a, a patriot. I, I participate in the process. I, you know, I, I participate in the process of, in the political process. I, I'm not one of these, you know, zug zug America, you know, patriotism and don't you dare question it. I, I guess my idea of patriotism is, very fluid in comparison to most, but the military is not this, it is a boys club and it has its problems, but I guess I'm patriotic enough and optimistic enough that I think if I participate in the process, if I raise enough awareness, if I convince enough people to write their congressmen, write their senators, write Chuck Hagel, the secretary of, I believe he's the secretary of defense, (laughs) department of defense say, Hey, this is fucked up. You can't keep covering for it. You are representing America to the rest of the world. Do something about this. This is your job. Do your job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to get more participation. I don't necessarily want to, if I happen to piss people off in the process, then I'm fine with that. But my goal is not to piss people off. My goal is to get people to learn about these things and do what they can to get them to change, to get commanders to do their goddamn jobs. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't seem like too much to ask. You'd think. Yeah, I'm civilian military. I, I work for the Navy here in Bremerton, Washington. Oh, yeah? Uh, a whole bunch of ex-Navy chiefs or, or senior chiefs. Hmm. Uh, my boss is a Mormon bishop. He's got his direct underling. 
Uh, Ten foot away from me is a Fundy Baptist uh, who has a very large, about 18 inch tall by about four foot long sign, big, beautiful sunrise saying he is risen, you know, (sighs) government offices. And so, yeah, I'm definitely surrounded myself with a whole bunch of lovely people like that. The military is an interesting, because people talk about uh, when conversations about religion in the workplace, soldiers, Marines, sailors, airmen, they have a right to their own individual beliefs. They can do that. They can believe whatever they want, but it's, it's a really strange line to have to tow without crossing. And more often than not, it is Christians in the military that do wind up crossing it and getting away with it. But finding where that line is and trying not to cross it before it becomes, hey, this is government endorsing religion and forcing it on the other soldiers within this unit. It's I've seen, I was at a, a formation for a ceremony once where uh, the particular first sergeant addressing everybody in the formation was like, okay, you don't have to pray, but you do have to bow your head. Mm. Turns out you can't do that. Mm-hmm. At least as far as I understand the rules at the time, it's, it's my understanding that the rules are changing now or they're thinking of changing them, but no, sorry, first sergeant, that is not a lawful order. I am not obligated to obey it in my own polite, subtle way. <laughs> Just like, no, I'm not going to bow my head. You can't make me. <laughs> of course, I, I they, don't was, li- they don't like that. that I thought it was basically they could only have you go uh, at attention or parade rest. In formations, yeah. for ceremonies, generally it's either attention or parade rest. But when a chaplain is giving an invocation, um, they want their ceremonies to go flawlessly. They don't want people falling out of formation in the heat. And even though I was stationed in southern Arizona, fuck that. You're not supposed to fall out in the heat. Um, but they wanted people to bow their heads for the invocation. And a few of us... A couple of other atheists, including myself, and the one or two other Wiccan soldiers actually refused. And some of us got yelled at and some of us didn't. Some of us are better at handling that than others. <laughs> Just like, like, with all due respect to your rank, Sergeant, as far as I understand it, order such an order is against regulations and... I am not obligated to obey an unlawful order. It's just as plain as that. You have to handle pissed off NCOs very carefully. Yeah. And <laughs> like you have to become like an instant lawyer. In, in all practicality, really- that's it's unconstitutional. And you took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution. Yes, I did. There are some people that have this mentality of, well, service in the military is service to a Christian nation. No, the fuck it's not. When you enlist, I don't know how it works for officers, but when you enlist in the military, they give you the option of saying, so help me God, or saying, I do solemnly swear or affirm. No one makes you. And if they do try to make you, I hope they get fired. Mm -hmm. You know, America is a very... It's a broad concept of a country. It is a very broad peopled country. We have, we have significant portions of Baptists, Catholics, Mormons, um, New Agers, Buddhists. Yes, there are Buddhists in the military too. I've only ever met one, but they do exist. 
you know, you can't, you can't have a position available, at, um, in the military and say, Hey, we'll take anybody who's qualified and that meets our regulations and our standards and, and then say, Nope, this is a Christian nation. You can't do it. I don't care if you want to serve your country or if you care about doing your job or just want to be an awesome soldier. If you're not a Christian, no, you can't do that. And it's not even, well, you don't have to pray if you're offended by it. I'm not offended by people praying. I honestly don't care that people have different beliefs than I do. I am completely fine with that. What I am not okay with is somebody in a position of authority that they probably haven't earned trying to force that belief on other people, either in the name of religion or in the name of government. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun, but I think we're starting to run out of time. Aww. Things are just starting to get interesting. <laughs> Hold on, maybe I'll cut out again. <laughs> Do you have any uh, last points you want to make? Um, importantly, on the issue of military um, sexual harassment and assault, Again, don't think that just because it's a military issue or whether or not you believe in the military industrial complex or what have you, look, these things affect you because these people are coming to join you in your life at some, at some point in time or another. The fact that your tax, the fact that my tax dollars go to protecting rapists pisses me off. Write your congressman, write your senator, ask what they are doing to get to light a fire under Chuck Hagel's ass. Ask them what they are doing to stop soldiers from hurting one another. You know, get involved, do this, do this for me. I, and I'm, I'm not asking for any money. This is not a situation that requires money. This is a situation that requires common, common sense and basic human decency. Write your congressman, write your senator. If you see something fucked up, say something. And if you're in a situation where somebody has harmed you and you're not being taken seriously, keep talking, keep going to people until somebody does. And if that happens to be your senator or, I don't know, John Oliver, <laughs> fucking do it. <laughs> fucking A. Yeah. Fucking no, totally. I totally agree. That is that is the best thing you can do is not shut up. Keep on yeah. talking until somebody believes you and will help you. Here's the way I see it is that if your situation brought you to that point where you had to go talk to a senator, talk to somebody above your unit in its entirety, that's their fault for putting you in that position. That's not on you. They're, they're going to try and threaten people and intimidate them into not talking. Uh, like the situation with the Alaska National Guard that happened recently. Oh, God, this is a fucking mess. Oh, yeah. I, I, we talked about that one. Yeah. <laughs> the, Holy the shit. Fat, that fat fuck. The three fucking pigs, I know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just absolute clusterfuck there. Say something. Say something. Do what you can within the realm of the law to make sure that somebody hears you. Okay. okay. Um. Last thing. Got any websites, any... Give, give us all the Twitters, all the everythings. <laughs> all of the Twitters. Let me see. Uh, my Twitter handle is at JL underscore Chadborn. My blog, as, let's see, 
plan up my um, I do have a YouTube channel, but I very rarely use it. Um, my blog is happyheresy.blogspot.com. My YouTube channel is just my name, Jen Chadborn. Nothing, nothing particularly special. I'm, I'm also on Instagram. I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm all over the interwebs. I own the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you have a little bit of trouble connecting to them. Uh, yes, when when it wants to work, the internet the internet is being a little bitch, and the internet is going to be punished. But it's consensual. But it's going to be completely consensual. We internet and I have safe words right, set right. up. You know, we discuss what toys we use well in advance. It's all good. Uh, I think me and you have the same internet. Um, <laughs> uh, what about any uh, good sites uh, resources for people? Let's see. There is another well-known um, blogger and advocate on the issue of sexual assault and harassment in the military. His name is Kevin McGill. Uh, I believe his handle is just, let's see, I'm going to pull him up real quick. Goes on Twitter by the name of One Voice, at Kevin McGill, with one L. Wonderful guy, um, great person. He's been being a public advocate for a very long time, has his own blog. He's another wonderful resource. He's another wonderful person. Go Thank talk you for to him. To another episode <laughs> of Atheist Nomads. Yes. You can find us online at right. anything, Is there anything more I can do for you guys? No, I think that's it. Thank you very much for joining us. Or leave us a voice Thank you guys so very, very much. I, I appreciate you giving me time to rant and ramble about any old thing. Like us on Facebook or leave us a review on iTunes, Zoom, or wherever else you find the podcast. Until next time, this has been The Atheist Nomad.